0: He asked our governor, W.C.C. Claiborne, hey, you got to know somebody who can help me out with what I need. And Claiborne's like, yeah, I love you. Okay, I know somebody. Um, you know, I just threw his brother, Pierre, in jail. I put out a $500 bounty on his head. He's got a bigger bank account and a bigger sense of humor, so he put out a $5,000 bounty on my head. Uh, you know, John Whitby's the pirate. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll give you his number. You can call him up. I'll, Andrew Jackson met with John Lafitte. Andrew Jackson said, John Lafitte, give me your men, give me your guns. I'll make sure that, uh, you know, all your career criminals, they get clean slates. All your men, they get clean slates. John Lafitte was like, well, keep New Orleans, New Orleans, and turn a blind eye to any British ships I might accidentally come across. And Andrew Jackson's like, you got a good deal. you are outnumbered five to one by seasoned British army and navy. The English lost over 2,000 men. We lost just under 20. And that was mostly because of John Lafitte and his baratarian pirates. And they all used to hang out at Lafitte's blacksmith shop. The property was owned by Dominique Hugh, John Lafitte's right-hand man, who was also responsible for one of the ghosts there. See, there was, there was these kids hanging around the pirates. And one of them took it in his head that he was going to show the pirates that he was pirate material. And he went and stole a necklace from a woman's house over here on Royal Street. Little did he realize that he had stolen from Dominic Hugh's sister-in-law. And whenever he was in the bar showing off, Look, look what I can steal. I can be a pirate too. Look what I can steal. Dominic Hugh took one look at that necklace, told the boy to come a little closer, grabbed the necklace from the kid's hand, took out a sword, and ripped open his guts, eviscerating him right there. Lots of patrons will complain about seeing a very underage boy tucked over by the men's bathroom, like he said, one too many voodoo daiquiris. I didn't warn you guys about that. Yeah. Being gutted and having one too many voodoo daiquiris looks about the same. <laughs> one too many. <laughs> but that's not the only ghost there. You see, after that war of 1812, which is really the war of 1815, by the, by the time the Battle of New Orleans happened, it wasn't the Battle of New Orleans, it was the Battle of Sheldon Downriver, some of John <laughs> Lafitte's men thought that he was a wash-up, that he was a sellout because he helped the Americans. So they planned a mutiny. There was five of them. John Lafitte heard about it, and he invited them down to the bar for uh, negotiations. What it, he meant by negotiations was tying them to chairs, cutting off their eyelids, and feeding them feet first into the fireplace that's in the center of that building. Now that b- fireplace does actually get used for its intended purpose during like the three days of winter that we have down here. And a lot of patrons will say that they're feeling watched from that fireplace and that they can see glowing eyes in the coals. We're pretty sure that's the pirates. And the whole reason why we're over 100 feet away from there comfortably is because my ex works there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 100 feet is actually where that it. pink light is. <laughs> Not that I, I legally heard. have to know <laughs> that. Let me just clear that up right now. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. He's the, he's the, uh, the short Italian looking guy. Okay. Yeah. But, um,. A lot of people don't know this, that at the end of the night, Lafitte's blacksmith shop is the last bar on Bourbon Street to close. Because it's the last bar on Bourbon Street. When they shut the shutters, they turn off the two walls of electricity in there, and everybody goes upstairs to count the money together. Because it's very dark, and out of that darkness, some people hear babies crying. And it's real creepy real fast. Now I dated a bartender for eight years. I shut down a lot of bars. I shut down that bar twice because on that second time even though I'm normally about as supernaturally sensitive as my footwear, I heard those babies crying and I'd rather stand on a desolate corner in the quarter at four o'clock in the morning than listen to those babies cry again. Because that started out as a family house and the story goes Everybody in the house died except for Mom. And Mom ended up hanging herself in the courtyard because she had nothing to live for. She couldn't support herself financially, emotionally, and she did the fastest thing possible to join her family in the afterlife. There's an apparition that likes to show up in photos taken in that courtyard of a pair of boots hanging about head heights, especially in bachelorette pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> let me talk a little bit about CeCe's. Actually, let me talk a little bit about a coffee shop. Now, back in the mid-90s, New Orleans used to be a mecca for vampires and vampire subculture. You know, people who thought they were vampires. Anne Rice just published her third novel in The Vampire Chronicles, Tale of the Body Thief. Interview the Vampire was out on movie screens. There was a live-action role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade that some crazy people... (laughs) (laughs) Some crazy people still play today. We had over 33 different goth slash vampire bars. Now we're down to three. But there was also this kid up in Murray, Kentucky. Does anybody know where Murray, Kentucky is? Uh, you, guys, you guys live in Kentucky or are you just from Kentucky. What are uh, yeah, some there are some people that are like, Yeah, I know where Murray, Kentucky is. It's in Kentucky and I'm like yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was this kid in the mid nineties named Ron Farrell. Now Ron said that he was a four hundred year old immortal. His ID said he was seventeen. And he had started a vampire cult. Now, it was him, his runaway girlfriend, Heather, his best friend, Anthony, their friend, Chastity, and another friend, and they were drinking each other's blood. They were trying to get vampire powers, but alas, they weren't getting any. And Ron realized the reason why they weren't getting any vampire powers is because they were actually diluting their powers by drinking off each other. They needed to have fresh blood, fresh blood that had been powered by a strong emotion. What's a strong emotion? Fear. Love is actually the strongest emotion,
1: that's but fear,
0: too. that's the one they were going for. Ron probably turned to Heather and was like, hey Heather, you don't like your parents. And Heather was probably like, uh, duh, I ran away from them. I drove all the way down from Murray, Kentucky to Eustis, Florida. Anybody know where Eustis, Florida is? I do. About an hour north of Orlando, about an hour outside of Orlando. And when I lived in Orlando, Eustace had 43 first responders. I had better marksmanship than 42 of them. They all went to the same gun range. And they drove down to Eustace. Heather knocked on her parents' door, and Heather's father was so excited to see her that he totally didn't realize that Ron and Anthony were standing behind her with crowbars, and he got crowbars to the face. Heather's mom. Came out of the kitchen with her cup of decaf coffee and her bathrobe, and she was like, "What's going on?" Crowbars to the face is what Ruth got. The police report said that Ruth's face looked more like grind meat, like hamburger meat, than it did a face. Well, they drank Heather's parents' blood, and guess what happened? Nothing. Still, still no nothing more vampire powers. Going <laughs> They're like, oh, you know what? we got to drive to New Orleans. we got to talk to Anne Rice. And they drive all the way from Eustis, Florida, over here to New Orleans. They park the stolen car that they were in on either this block or this block to St. Philip. Now, those silly kids thought that Ann Rice lived in the French Quarter. No. Just like the nuns, she had fancy shindigs uptown. But they didn't know that. They couldn't just pull it up on MapQuest. And not all of them were underage. All of their IDs said they were under 18, so they couldn't go to the golf bars. What they settled on was a coffee shop named Caldy's. Now, Caldy's just happens to be located, or where it was located, was where I met you guys in that big white building on the corner there. Ron and them went up into the coffee shop. Ron pulled Heather up onto the bar. They proclaimed themselves the kings and queens of New Orleans vampires because they had murdered people, and they've had fresh blood. And everybody sitting in Caldy's was like, this ain't strong enough for bats. (laughs) And somebody called the cops on them. Well, they found out by that time that Anne Rice was uptown. But they couldn't get into the car and leave because the cops knew the car. So what the kids did was try to hide in the crowd of Café du Monde until the search was over, which was probably one of the silliest things that they could have done. Because if you ever wear all black going to Café du Monde (laughs) and you start eating a beignet, (laughs) you look like you spent spring break with Charlie Sheen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been accused of this before. Uh (laughs) The wearing all (laughs) black thing, not the Charlie Sheen thing. Clear that up, too. Well, that's where they caught the kids, in mid-beignet bite. But more recently, in the early 2000s, there was a guy named Sean Johnson down here from Atlanta. He said he was here for business. He went to the dungeon. He met some other kids that proclaimed to be the kings and queens of New Orleans vampires. Invited them up to his hotel room. Sean ordered some champagne. The kids bashed his head in with the bottle of champagne, made some pretty bad mimosas, you know, took a Dixie cup, put a little bit of champagne in there, put a little bit of Sean's blood in there, drank it up, and they left Sean for dead. Some of those kids ran away to Florida. Oh, do I have anybody here that's from Florida? Whereabouts in Florida? Panama City. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's, a little bit. Mm-hmm. that's a little bit better in this world. What's What high school did you go to? Bay High. Home of the Red Eye? My daughter went to Bay High. Uh, I went to Arnold. You did? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's why I can well, say I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad still lives in Lennon. Cool. Mm-hmm. What's left of it? Yeah, what's left of it. Well, mm-hmm. oh, he was behind the Walmart off of Tyndall. So he fared okay, other than you know trees yeah. being down the driveway for 20 days. Man. Yeah. Well, for these kids who killed Sean, they ran down to Florida. They ran down to Bradenton, Florida, just by Tampa. Does. Uh-huh. And that's where one of them got caught in a Denny's in the pre-dawn hours eating pancakes. Om nom nom. Now the reason why I do these two stories back to back is because there's there's a moral to it. If you guys ever consider committing a vampire or vampire-esque crime in about or around New Orleans, just go ahead and skip the breakfast foods. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be detrimental to your freedom. Have <laughs> you guys got any questions about Lafitte's? About coffee? About vampires in New Orleans? Excellent. Then I got a question for y'all. Is anybody, and this is a fairly personal question, mind you. What shoe do you put on first? He closes one didn't me. <laughs> That's a fair answer. I'm normally a left one. But guys, watch out for this car. We're uh, we're gonna uh, we gonna kinda migrate right <laughs> over here. Great. <laughs> So they can do a beautiful turn, and none of you become permanent parts of my ghost tour, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pretty slow turn. But our uh, our next stop is over at the Andrew Jackson Hotel and the Cornstalk Fence Hotel. Anybody staying at those hotels? Oh, sorry. sorry. No? Nope. Oh, I love to hear that answer because it makes the stop less awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's head back down.